What if you were broke? Destitute. Broke. How would that affect your walk with Christ? That was the question that I've been mulling in my mind for a while. What if God took everything that I had so-called own, or so-called, which I don't own anything, I just at least, because when I leave, it's somebody else's. So what is ownership? Ownership, only the kind of ownership I really think would be permanently to own some. There's no permanence on this side. So whatever you may have control of, you don't get to keep it. So in essence, it's just loaned to you till the next person picks it up. But what if you were, imagine with me, imagine. You got a good imagination? Imagine with me if you were broke. I mean, this morning you were broke. I mean, destitute broke. I mean, you didn't have two cents to rub together. I mean, you were wearing all your clothes. You were wearing all your clothes this morning. I mean, you had no place to lay your head. I mean, the food that you're eating is all your food for the day. You have no food that you know of at home. There's no food to get. You don't know of any other food. You're just going to, you just, the food you're eating is it. That's all you got. I mean, you don't have a 401k. You have no IRAs. You have no money in the bank, no credit cards, no nothing. Did you know that some two billion people on this planet are living like that? Hard to believe, isn't it? Two billion is the estimation. People in the world are living what I've just described to you. Their dream of dreams, this comes from old Dr. David Gibbs, their dream of dreams is someday they'll own a bicycle, but they will not ever own a bicycle. How will that affect you? Let me ask you a question. Do you think it would affect the way you walk with Jesus? Well, let's hear, let's hear how Paul dealt with it. And Paul did deal with it in verses 7 through 11 in Philippians chapter 3. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, I count, circle the word all of you, mark your Bible, all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of how many things? All things, and do count them but dung. Huh. He's getting country on me, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, twice mentioned there, that I may know him. The result of all that, this is a result. I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable unto his death. He was crucified. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. 
This was Paul's formula for ending well in this life as a Christian. So how material things impact our spiritual lives and future rewards is important. Because material possessions and riches can rob you of what God has for you. And what does God have for you? He's got something that will never pass away. It won't lose its luster in a million zillion years. You'll always have it. It'll always be yours. Nobody will, no thief will come and take it. No rust will come and rust it. Nobody will break in. It is permanently yours. It is secure. Now, if you ask me, that's something real deal. That's a real deal there. That's the reward God says he has for those who love him. So we see the Bible teaches from front to back, side to side, riches hinder our walk with God. That is a no-brainer. That is black and white, cannot be disputed. It really cannot be disputed. It's not arguable. There's no wiggle room. So let's listen to what Jesus says about it. I'm just to kind of confirm it with you because this is going past this church, past what we're saying now. This goes out over the Internet. The Bible says riches are dangerous for your spiritual outcome. Jesus said to his disciples, Verily I say to you, It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Now, what did he mean by eye of a needle? He meant an eye of a needle. He just meant the eye of a needle. Would a camel ever be able to go through an eye of a needle? In fact, what are the odds of a camel ever being able to? Never. There's none. Zero, zilch, nada. That's all my languages I know. Nine. I got a little German in there. Uh, it ain't going to happen. Mark chapter 4, verse 18, 19. And these are they which are sown among the thorns in the parable of the sower, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things, entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. So what he's basically saying, he's warning you, giving you a heads up. Material things will tend to choke you out of your eternal reward, which God wants you to have. Mark chapter 10, verse 24. Disciples were astonished at these words, but Jesus answered and said again, Children, how hard it is for them that trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. I think that's the key right there. How hard it is for them that trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. He didn't say it was impossible because he said with God all things are possible. But riches of themselves are not the problem. It's that they ch- the change they make in your walk with God is the problem. You got it. The riches themselves are neutral. It is the way you perceive them And the way they change your life of faith, that is the problem. They change your faith. They change your earnestness, if you're not careful. They change your 
zeal for God. They change your dependence on God. We think and act differently sometimes with them because we give them credit for something they have no power in, and that is a thing called security. The broke and the destitute believer is much more, tends to at least be, much more real with God. I mean, they're all over Him. They're all in. They're looking up every minute. They're desperate for God to be in their lives and their decision-making because they have no fallback. They have no insurance. They have no relatives to bail them out. They have no money in the bank. They have nothing. They have no power that this world would consider. And they're constantly looking up like a little bird who expects food every day. And God doesn't give them a big storehouse. They come to God every day and hunt for food, and God feeds them. They get up right at dawn, by the way. They quit working at dark. But God feeds them. He looks at them. There was a... A parent came in to interview with me one time at school, and they uh, were not able to put their children in our school. And, and they basically, it was a, a, a woman, a young woman, and she came in, and we sat down, and, and uh, we could tell she was upset. And she put her hands, you know, her hands were fidgeting kind of, and she sat in a chair and looked down. She said, uh, um, we're broke. We got no money in the bank. We got, we, got, we got credit card debt. There's no fallback. What we really would like our child to come and believe our child should come to Gospel Baptist Christian School. She said, now, we know God's going to take care of us. We're just trusting in the Lord. And she said it with such a sweet spirit, so pure. She says, I know God will never, never leave me nor forsake me. But you know, there's a human side of us, right? You know what the human side is? The human side is going. But the spiritual side is saying, no, calm down, because God's going to take care of us. It was such a purity. It was such an inspiration to me to see somebody who was willing to trust God and believe God was going to take care of I said, I'll tell you what. We'll underwrite the entire tuition, books, and everything for your kid. You put your kid in school. She sat back in her chair. What? I said, your faith has been answered. Your faith has been answered. God, the Holy Spirit just whispered that in my ear. What makes God happy? That kind of faith. What makes God happy? You'll not please God without faith, and I won't please God without faith. There's nothing wrong with being frugal. There's nothing wrong with, with saving and with planning on a rainy day. The, the just man uh, layeth up for his children's children. And I know all those verses. And I think, you know, you're supposed to work like you're going to die tomorrow and live like you're going to live 100 years, 
or is it live like you're going to die tomorrow and work like you're going to, well, whatever. <laughs> you got the idea, right? Amen. And none of you are going to live to 100, so I'm not worried about that. But we should have faith. That's why I said the church does its best work in hard times. But none of us sitting in this room want hard times. You'd be crazy. You'd be masochistic. If you said, I'd love a good old-fashioned deep depression to come on America. You'd be crazy. But yet if it did, the spiritual people will shine. They'll shine. They'll grow. The faith level will increase. And God himself will be pleased. So the first thing we understand is riches can be dangerous if you put your faith in them. Secondly, God can trust you with riches. And he will trust you with riches if you can keep the broke mentality. Philippians chapter 7 and 8 says, but what things were gained to me, I counted were lost. In other words, he says, I have gained, but I'm going to count it loss. You got money in the bank this morning. You got CDs this morning. You own property this morning. You have multiple assets this morning. Okay. Count them loss. Don't you lean on them for your security. Because you may go, oh, and your wife's new boyfriend's got them. That's right. That's right. Don't you, your only security and my only security is God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Keep that broke mentality in your mind. I'm broke because I really am broke. You know, my wife, when I was working for years, she would say, you're broke. Is she in here? God bless you. She, I didn't know she was helping me. I didn't take it like she was helping me, but she would say, you know, you got six bucks to eat on all week. Six bucks? I can't eat on six bucks. Well, that's all the money you got. I'm broke. My money's all spent, and I can't pay the rent because I'm busted. In some crazy way, I miss those days. What do I miss? My back was against the wall. There was no place to go but up. Amen, hallelujah. Did I ever miss a meal? No. Did she ever miss a meal? No. God will trust you with riches if you keep a broke mentality about you. He said, doubtless I count all things but loss, verse 8, for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, who count them but dung. Basically, he says, whether I have stuff, it doesn't make any difference, because even if I have stuff, I'm going to count it as if I don't have stuff. In other words, I'm not going to place my faith on those things to keep me in good shape. 
We need to continually, on a daily basis, keep counting ourselves and our things that we have as but loss. Make it a daily routine. Because why? It's true to reality. It's true to reality. For any day, it may be gone. I'm not telling you something you don't know. You can die at any time. I'm not telling you something you don't know. But somehow in you, you don't believe you're going to. Brother, Brother Charlie, I somehow think you're a healthy man, lived ways strong. You probably believe you're not going to die today. Makes sense. Well, I mean, yeah, it makes sense, right? Uh, but you may. It may be a surprise. Amen? You may be sitting here and say, yeah, well, I got a number of years left. That reminds me of something I read in the Bible. I got years left, do you? Third thing we need to know is in verse 9, to decide to live of faith, by faith, and for faith. You must live by faith. There is no other choice in God's world. Faith is a substance of the things hoped for. It is what pleases God. It is the only key that unlocks God's power in your life. Faith assumes the reality of God and then acts upon it. Faith assumes the reality of God and acts upon it. Faith is a simple belief in God's word, in his word. If he's, by the way, if God's word is no good, he's no good. Faith is found, the word faith is found 229 times in just the New Testament. Do you think God wants you to live by faith? He wants you to live by faith. That's why riches can hinder you from entering into the kingdom of heaven if you somehow... Don't feel you need God because you got stuff. Or somehow you feel you need God less because you have stuff. At that point, God can't trust you with that stuff. And what it is doing to you, it is detracting and taking away the true riches that God has for you, which are only obtained through faith. Abraham was justified by faith, and the last believer to ever be justified will be justified by faith. If you're looking for signs and wonders, and there's a whole group of people that are, you're looking in the wrong direction with God. That's not where he wants you to look. Matthew chapter 16, verse 4. A wicked, these are Jesus' words, a wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. And there shall no sign be given unto us but the sign of the prophet Jonas, which is the resurrection. So we need to keep a clear, clear vision, which, by the way, doesn't want to stay clear. That's why it's got to be a daily routine. That's why it's got to be something you kind of slap yourself and say, now look at some. I, there's, I have met people, born-again Christians, that got so much money, they told me, I could never spend it all. Now, um, that's a challenge. You give it to me and see if I can make it happen. No, they said, if I, if I, if I had anything, I just could never spend it all. It's, it's multiplying so quickly that I could never spend it all. And I, and I looked at that person and I felt bad for him. Because they got a war and a struggle that I don't want and don't have. They got to keep their mind, because they're born again believer. They got to keep their mind right. That even though they got that and that's out there churning every day, churning money, 
money makes money, that that's not what it's about. It's about trusting God. The fourth thing I want you to notice is the result of living like you are broke and walking in daily faith is wild. It's wild. Philippians 3, 10, 11. That I may know him, the power of his resurrection, fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable to death. He said, if you live by faith, these are some of the things God's going let to you, let you have, some wild stuff. And I like what he said in verse 11, if by any means I may attain of the resurrection. Paul was never arrogant about his salvation. I think we can have assurance of salvation. I think it's Bible. But he was never arrogant about it. I've had people tell me, I can go sin anything I want to do. God's got to forgive me. I think that's arrogance, and I think it's, it's from the mouth possibly of a person who's not born from above. You say, what do you mean? Well, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, 23, Jesus said there'll be people stand before him and say, Lord, Lord, haven't we done many wonderful works in your name, and haven't we done cast, even we cast out demons in your name. And they'll say, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. So there is going to be a group of people that know Jesus and know of Jesus and maybe got the system down well. They got the verbiage down well. They got the vocabulary down well. They got the, the ways and the system of Jesus. And, the, and, and they think they're, maybe, they're, maybe they have three different jets and they want to buy a fourth one because the other three aren't big enough. They're going to stand for Jesus. You say, you didn't live a life of faith. You didn't live by faith. You're not saved by works. You're saved by faith. Paul said, if by any means I made a chain under the resurrection of the dead, I don't see arrogance there at all. You enter into the same kind of life that if you live for God by faith, you enter into the same kind of life that Jesus had. You, you, you no longer, you no longer, uh, you're not any longer talk about theory. You live fact. You know the life of faith. You know the beauty of faith. You know the power of faith. You know the freedom of faith. You know the rest of faith is such a rest. You know the peace of faith. You know the exhilaration of faith. And ultimately, if you live by faith, you will know the ultimate reward of that which is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I like Revelation chapter 21, verse 5, one of my favorite verses of, of the whole Bible. It hasn't always been that way, but it became that about probably seven, eight, ten years ago. It just hit me, and the Holy Spirit just seemed to come continually remind me of it, lately especially. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, right, for these words are true and faithful. Make all things new. And when God makes all things new, glory to God. By the way, the, the, the memory of these former things will not even come to your mind. Isn't it, isn't it, wouldn't it be a sad case where people had trusted in riches and trusted in assets and trusted in this world's stuff, which eventually will not even come into mind or be remembered? But he says, I'm going to make all things new. You're going to be part of that. Enter in the joy of thy Lord. Are you positionally 
broke? Are you positionally busted? Are you dependent upon God today? Examine yourself. The Bible says examine yourself. See if you're being the faith. If somehow in the back of your mind, you're really relying on the material things God has entrusted you with somehow to bail you or help you. I know that Steve Jobs had a lot of money. Remember Steve Jobs? He invented the Apple computer system. And he was a fairly rich guy. He got cancer in his 50s. And the last picture I saw of him, he was a skeletal, skeletal looking. Had to have help to stand. Couldn't stand on his own. At 56 years old, he died. The best, the best medical team money could possibly buy. The best, the best efforts that money, you can pour all of that you want to, but your life is in God's hand. Now, you see that over and over again, don't you? Remember Frank Sinatra, he was fairly rich, but he died and left it all. I, I, as I watched through the years, these, these people who acquired wealth, Every one of them had the same ending, just like the poor guy down on Skid Row. They left everything, and they had to answer to the, the one who gave them life. Are you broke? I'm broke. Kathy's prophecy has come true. I am broke. I'm busted. I'm destitute of anything that I trust in except Jesus Christ. And with that, as long as I stay good with that, God may entrust me with a certain amount of things. He may entrust me with it. But as a good father, you wouldn't give your kids something that would hurt him. A little wheelbarrow, he'll see about that big, he's about that big. Wheelbarrow's about three years old. Would you give Wheelbarrow a knife, a switchblade, and let him play with it? What kind of a parent would you be if you gave little Wheelbarrow a knife, a razor knife, double-edged? That's what I used to use when I laid, when I laid carpet, double-edged razor knife. Why, you wouldn't do that in a million years? Nobody in his right mind would do that. And don't get upset with God if he takes the razor blade away from you. If it's hurting you. I thank God. I ask him, take away anything and everything that's hurting me. Because I want to attain unto the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And all that entails, what that means is life after death. That means life with Christ. It means new life with Christ. It means a mansion that is prepared for me, a place prepared for me, and all that goes along with them where it says, enter into the joy of thy Lord. Glory to God. How about you this morning? Say amen toward heaven. May it be so. Father, help us this morning.
help us to get this very simple but very serious thought based on your own the words of the Lord Jesus Christ who warns us so so carefully not to trust in uncertain riches father help us to have a good balance in this forgive us where we've laid our hand on something thinking it's going to save us other than you God, help us to understand what re the reality of life is about before it's too late. There could be some without Christ as their Savior. You may say to me, Brother Bill, I believe if I died, I'd go to heaven. I'm about 50% sure of it, but that's not good enough. You're talking about the never-dying soul of a person. It's going to live somewhere forever. Maybe you're here today without Christ. You don't know 100% where you're going to spend that thing called after death. I believe the Bible's real clear on that. We could help you see it. We'll not push you. We'll not overwhelm you. We'll just simply tell you the truth like we were told. In a moment, we're going to have an invitation. We'd love to have you come down and say, hey, I'd like to talk to somebody. Maybe after the service, see Chris or Thomas, myself, one of the deacons. Say, I'd like to talk about being saved. We'd love to. We'll stay. Maybe you're a Christian and you've, you, you've caught yourself. You've caught yourself in trusting in uncertain riches. Go to God. Get right about it. Keep your mind right. That you understand what the reality of life is. Help us, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.